We, uh, we only had, Claire was pregnant with one child, and we made a decision to just start the ministry. Normally, missionaries go on deputation, they travel around for a number of years, and then they go on the field and start the ministry. Well, nobody really told us what to do. So what we done was we, um, within like two months or something like that, after we were called into the ministry, we moved from Scotland to Dublin, um, and we started the ministry. We did not go and raise support. The first church I went to, um, to for a deputation meeting was after I landed back in Ireland, okay? Um, so we started the ministry that way, um, and it's just the way it's always been. But we've had a couple of family situations along the way. I was raising support and traveling all the time. I would travel on, on a Saturday, preach twice on a Sunday, travel home on a Monday, and do the ministry all week. Um, for the first couple of years, and, and that kind of worked out okay for us. But what happened was, Ushin got sick. Do you remember Ushin got sick? Ushin got cancer, and I had to stop traveling for like three and a half years. So we didn't travel. Um, then after that, um, started doing a little bit, um, but then Lorcan had a fall, and that stopped us again. So I've never really gotten going because as I stopped traveling to raise support, the ministry has just grown and grown and grown. Yeah. So I've been not stuck, but I've been too responsible back in Dublin to be going off and traveling around raising support. So I've been to most of the churches um, I can do in Ireland and the UK. Um, but we, we have five kids now. You will see them. They're big. They eat a lot of stuff. They... they <laughs> They wear a lot of clothes, um, all that kind of stuff. So it's just, obviously, our expenses have got bigger. Um, right now, we're living in my stepdad's um, house that he, that he bought from his retirement. And we're paying less than, much less than half of what the rental prices are because we can't afford our own place. And I can't do that forever. So I needed to make a decision to uh, go. So... Um, that's what we have to do. We have to go raise support. So please pray for us with that. But that's where we're at. Uh, ministry is going really, really well. Please drop in and see us if you're ever going past it up to Dublin. Uh, Any time at all wouldn't be a problem. Uh, but we're going to preach this morning because I'll run out of time if I start talking. Um, what we're going to talk about this morning is I was praying about what I should, what I should preach about. And, uh, and I, I thought to myself, uh, I would come up with, with the idea of is there something missing from your life? I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I, I'm carrying on, I'm living life, and without me really realizing it, things start to lose their appeal. Things start to lose their zip. I start to lose my flame. I start to lose my passion. You know, there, there seems to be an emptiness at times. There seems to be a drawn away at times from where I should be and where I know I can be. And and where I know God wants me to be. And I have a lack at times in my life. And when I realize it, I have to do something about it. So that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about, is there something missing from your life? You know, have you got unfulfilled dreams? Is there an emptiness? Is there a dissatisfaction with the things that's happening in your life right now? You know, in your life, do you find that you go to a place where... I suppose things just aren't sitting right with you. You know, you're not where you should be or you're not, you're not where you can be. Maybe you're, you're thinking about the mistakes that you've made in your life. Maybe you're, 
not happy in your job, maybe you're not happy with the relationships in your life, things aren't going the way you want them to go. And you know what? When life is like that, we can spend a lot of time just carrying on and we don't change anything. We're struggling, but we don't do anything about it. We spend years of our precious lives often unsatisfied and not productive. And I don't want us to be like that, and I don't believe God wants us to to be like that. You know, I believe God has given us a few short years that make an impact on the world around us, and we need to use every moment of every day for Him. You know, perhaps your your dissatisfaction and your emptiness uh, well, they're the things that normally motivate us, give us a desire to change, because we don't like being there. You know, perhaps you're thinking about your health, or, you know, you're, you're not happy with the income that you have, or you're looking for a different job, or, or a new relationship you think might be the answer, or whatever it might be. Maybe you're single, and you're, you're not satisfied being single, and you would like to get married. You know, all these different things in our lives can leave us feeling like there's something missing. And you know, some people run to the world and the pleasures of the world to fill that gap in their lives, to fill that hole in their lives, Um, but that's never the answer. You know, changing our circumstances is often a short-lived solution to fill in a hole that God has placed there. And we're going to look at a a young man in the the Bible, and uh, he has a particular need in his life, But I'm not going to just leave it there. We're going to expand it to other issues. But we're going to look at the rich young ruler this morning. And, you know, you will hear people saying that inside inside man there's a God-shaped hole. You know there's something missing when you don't have God. People aren't normally aware of what that is. But often when people get saved, they will say, this is the thing I've been looking for. This is what I've been needing in my life. You know, this, I feel fulfilled now, I feel satisfied now. And see, when you first get saved, do you remember that flame you had when you first got saved? That passion you had when you first got saved? When you knew that, that need was met, when you knew that hole was filled, and, and it was going good? Do you know, that can last for a long time, but if you're like me, and you're like most people I know, the fires start to go dim, don't they? That passion that you once had, starts to go dim. Now you have Pastor Ledbetter here trying to stoke them fires all the time. He comes up here every Sunday with a gallon of petrol and wants to pour it on to keep the fire going. That's why he comes up with the ideas of give a tract out every day. That's why you're doing Holiday Bible Club. And all you that are involved in Holiday Bible Club, do you know that's where I got saved? I got saved the Holiday Bible Club. Now when I got saved the Holiday Bible Club, nobody would have ever thought Leighton Kelly would end up being a missionary um, in Ireland. Nobody ever would have thought that. I was just one of the kids that turned up. I wonder what the kids that got saved this year, the kids that got saved last year, in a few years where they're going to be. You know, uh, keep going, keep doing that. Get involved as much as you can. Let's turn to God's Word. Mark chapter 10. We are looking from, um, from verse 17. And the Bible says this, it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running, kneeling to him, and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? 
you know, here we have in the story, we have a man, he's known as the rich young ruler, and he comes quickly, and he, lo- he knew that he had a need, because he asked for it right away, so he knew what he was looking for, and he comes quickly, and it looks like he gets in the right position to receive it. What does he do? He runs to Jesus, and he kneels down. He kneels down at Jesus. Wouldn't it be great to be able to kneel down at Jesus like that? Well, this man did. He nails down at Jesus. This man seems to have it all. You know, he has riches. He has a good family. He has a clean life. This isn't a man coming from the addictions ministry who's ruined his life. This is the rich young ruler. He has it all together. He's had a good education. He has a good family. But he he has a need. He has a need. He's coming to Jesus to meet his need. Look at verse 18. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. You know, the first thing Jesus says to this man's greeting, good master, is that um, there's no one good except God. And there's no one good except God. You know, in, in, in verse 17, um, Jesus immediately gets, to, gets him to think about what good really is. Because this man thought he was good. But Jesus challenges him about what the real uh, level of being good is. And that is being holy. That is being the way God is. And Jesus challenges him and he says, there's no one good but God only. God is good. Look at verse 19. Um, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness to fraud, not honor thy father and mother. You follow them and you'll be doing really, really well. You'd be doing real well. Verse 20 says, And he answered and he said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now, I don't think the guy was being boastful. I don't think he was showing off. I think he genuinely believed that. When he turned up, he was thinking he had it all together. He knew there was something missing, but he thought he had it all together. If you look in this, turn over to the book of Matthew. Keep your finger on Mark, because it's the same story. You go to chapter 19, verse 20 with me. Um, you know, when this guy came to Jesus, he came running, he kneels down, he's in the right position, and it, and it looks like he knows what he needs. And, you know, he's asking Jesus, uh, how, how can I, how can I uh, inherit eternal life? How can I get eternal life? And Jesus gives him some of the commandments and, and challenges him with the commandments. And he says, you know what? I've kept all these from my youth. <coughs> Verse 20 there in Matthew 19 says, And the young man said unto him, All these things have I kept uh, from my youth up. What lack I yet? goes a little bit further. He asks Jesus, what, what do I lack? I know I have a lack, but what is it? What is it? What is that lack that I have in my life? You see, he's done all the outward things that a man can do. He's kept himself clean. He's kept himself right. He treats his parents well. He's doing all the outward stuff good. He's, I mean, he looks like a nice guy. He has the right clothes, he has the right haircut, he has a few quid to put into the green box at the back. I mean, this guy is as good of a church member as you're going to get in a lot of churches that I go to. A lot of churches would be glad to have this man. 
But you know what? This man lacks something. This man lacks something. He's missing something. And he knows it. He's doing the right things. He's saying the right things. He's going to the right places. But he's missing something. Back over to Mark with me, if you would. Mark 10. You see, this man looks good. His life sounds right. But his life's not right. He thinks he's good, but he's not good. He thinks his life's right, but there's something missing. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, what does Romans 3.23 say? I'm sure you have done it as a memory verse a million times. For all have sinned and short of the glory of God. So who sinned? Including this rich young ruler. He wasn't coming clean. He wasn't coming righteous. He wasn't coming holy, even though it would have looked like that on the outside to man that would have seen him. I'm sure his parents were very proud of him. I'm sure his, his community thought he was a stand-up guy. I'm sure the people that worked for him thought he was a lovely fella. But you know what? He might have been lovely on the outside, but his, his sins stank as much as mine did back in the day. And you know what? Before God, he wasn't holy. He had sinned. He had fallen short. Now let's look at Mark chapter 10, verse 21. And it says, And Jesus, beholding him, what's the next word? Loved him. Even though this unclean man and his self-righteousness came to Jesus, Jesus didn't call him a fool. Jesus didn't slap him away. Jesus, beholding him, loved him. And Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me. So much so that no matter what I've ever done, he still loves me. He will never change from loving me. <coughs> he loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. You see, he had a lack in his life. And he knew it. He had a lack in his life. He was missing something. There was something missing for him, and he knew it. One thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatever, uh, whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. Now, I want you to know this. Jesus didn't say, and give it to me. He wasn't Benny Hinn. He wasn't asking for the money. He was, what did Jesus say to do with the money? Give it to the poor. This wasn't Jesus trying to pull a fast one to get yeah. the guy's money. He wasn't trying to fill up his green box. Yeah, amen. He was trying to get, get the guy to give the, give the money to the poor. Um, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, and follow me. You see, Jesus loved them. And he loved them so much he wouldn't let them stay in his sin. He loved him so much he made a way for him to have his sin dealt with. He loved him so much he challenged him about the issue of his heart. He didn't just leave him where he was. He wasn't saved and looking good and doing good and talking good and reading his Bible and going to the prayer meeting and getting baptized would never fix this man's problem. It would never fix this man's problem. This man's problem was he wasn't saved. He wasn't born again. 
he hadn't accepted Christ as his saviour. He wasn't there and all the outward stuff would not do it for him. He was spiritually dead and he lacked salvation. And Jesus, the master soul winner, um, thank, thank you. And Jesus, the master soul winner, um, I appreciate the thought, but please um, don't do that. Um, I really appreciate the thought. Um, but Jesus is the master soul winner. And we can model our soul winning on Jesus. What does Jesus do with the, with the conversation? He turns the conversation to the gospel. And we need to get better at being able to turn a conversation with ordinary people in ordinary situations to the gospel. And that's what Jesus does all the time. The woman at the well. You name it, you look at every story Jesus has been involved in, it always turns around to the gospel. It always turns around. Jesus is the master soul winner and he goes straight to the heart of the issue. And I hope if you're in this church, this is a wonderful church, and our family loves coming here, and we love being involved in what you do, and uh, we, we just love everything that you do. And I'm uh, and, uh, so glad to be here. And I hope if you're here that you're saved. And I hope if you're here, you're not just repeating the, the, the verses on the screen, but you know in your heart that you're not saved, that you've never come to that place where you've been born again. Do you lack this morning? Are you missing something in your life this morning? Well, Jesus, the master soul winner, wants to use his word, his message, to turn your heart to the gospel. You see, this rich young ruler knew he needed eternal life. He knew that he needed to be born again. Now, we're going to go back to the rich young ruler in just a minute. We're going to park him for a few minutes. You know what? The rich young ruler found out what he was lacking in his life. He did find it out. Well, let me ask you the same question. Have you found it out? Do you know you're not saved? Do you know that you're not born again? And you know what? The people around you might know. Because if you looked at the rich young ruler's life, man, you couldn't tell he wasn't saved. That guy done everything right. He was probably involved in the stuff that he should be involved in. He was probably helping out at Holiday Bible Club back in the day. But you know what? He knew he wasn't saved. He knew deep down he wasn't saved. He knew he wasn't there. Well, let's move from even salvation for a minute. Let's say you are saved. Let's say you are born again. You have trusted Christ by faith. You are a Christian. You know, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. No questions asked. But is there a void in your life this morning? Is there a lack in your life this morning? Is there an emptiness in your life that you have this morning? Are you missing something this morning in your life? And you can have it all and still be missing something in your life. This rich man that we looked at, the rich young ruler, he had everything that the world values. He had wealth. He had possessions. He had his youth. pastor was playing football with my kids last night, and he asked them to swap bodies with him. Okay? Now, what, what's that? I want my youth. I'd like, I'd like some uh, younger legs. But you know what? This man had his youth. He had his money. He had possessions. He had position. He was a ruler. He had authority. Uh, he had a reputation, I'm sure. But you know what? Even though he had all them, he still lacked. And we as Christians can have all them 
and still lack. We can have all the things and still lack. And, and you're saying, well, is salvation not the only thing that we lack? No, it's the most important thing that we lack. But after the Christian is saved, we can certainly be lacking spiritual growth. We can be lacking a spiritual walk. We can be lacking a good testimony. We can be lacking so much. We can be lacking happiness in a marriage, can't we? We can be lacking a, a relationship with our children. We can be lacking a ministry. We can be lacking power in our ministry. We can be lacking in a, a, a warmness towards God. We can be lacking in so many different areas. You know, you can accumulate all the wealth and all the things that, that man looks for, but it doesn't mean that you're going to be fulfilled. It doesn't mean that you're going to be full. You know what? We need to make sure that we're uh, where God would want us to be. You know, God made us for himself to have a relationship with him through his son. And unless that's right, you can never be fully satisfied. And you might be saved, but if you don't have that close relationship with Jesus Christ, you will find that you lack in other areas of your life. And the flesh will always try to go to the world to have that need met. And instead of walking in the Spirit and being the way God would want us to be and walk the way God would want us to be, we go to the world and we walk in the flesh. And when we start walking in the flesh, we start doing the things of the flesh. And that hole that's there, because we're not having that closeness with God, we start to go to the world to look for it, and that gets us in all kinds of trouble. And accumulating more material stuff will never meet that need. It will never make you feel like you're complete or you're satisfied, or you have enough. John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. There was a, te there was a tennis player one time called Boris Becker. Some of you as old folks will remember Boris Becker. Young fellas won't know who he is. But Boris Becker was at the very top of the, uh, the tennis world. But yet he was suicidal. And you know what he says? He says, I've won Wimbledon twice. Once as the youngest player. He says, I was rich. I had it all. Everybody looked up to me. Everybody wanted my autograph. Everybody told me I was important. Everybody said I was special. But he says, I was suicidal. He says, I that old, same old story with the movie stars and the singers. I'm so close to the edge of committing suicide. He had everything but yet he lacked. And somebody asked him, what would you like to have known as a boy? And he says, I wish somebody had told me that when you get to the top, there's nothing there. Wow. Spent his life chasing to the top, training, and training, and training, and training to be the best tennis player he could be, yet he lacked. And this morning, you might have it all, and you might look good, and you might be born again, and praise God if you are, but do you struggle in your life? Do you struggle to have that relationship with Jesus Christ? When the joy goes out from your walk with the Lord, when you, you go from the passionate times when you're, when you're uh, on fire with God and you're doing really well to that daily walk where even getting up and reading the Bible or getting to church is a slog, where you start to look at church and it's coming up, but you have other things that are on on the Sunday or the Wednesday night and you start to prioritize other stuff over God, if you are walking in the Spirit and you are right with God the way you were when you first got saved, you would be here. Amen. 
it would be your priority because your relationship would be a priority. Isn't that true? We soon forget when the fire dies down what we should do and other stuff seems more important. When life is like that, reprioritize your life. Examine what you do. Examine how you're thinking. Ask yourself and challenge yourself, is this where I should be? Is this what I should be doing? When we lose our zeal for the Lord, we need to quickly return to Him and get close to Him. When you lack, uh, you know, when you lack spiritually in your life, you, you end up in a dangerous place. You end up in a dangerous place. You get disheartened. And when you get disheartened and you're struggling in your relationship with God, it's very hard to serve God. And you know what? It's very hard when you're struggling to come out to church. Now, you might come on a Sunday morning because it's expected that we come on a Sunday morning. But you know what? If you stay where you are, you won't keep coming on a Sunday morning. You will fizzle out and you will find that you don't come all the way you used to. When that flame is fizzling out, it can be hard to rekindle it. But you know what? If you have a lack in your life and you're, you're distant with God, it won't only be your spiritual life that gets affected. When you're not doing well and you're not walking close with God, you know what you're going to find? You start looking at other people and you start being critical of other people. It changes how you think. It changes how you act. We become judgmental. We're more prone to yielding to temptation when we're not doing well. We complain instead of pray. We worry instead of worship. We love self rather than loving others. Isn't that what happens when you go from walking in the spirit to walking in the flesh? It goes from others to self. It becomes, instead of about the Trinity and your relationship with God, to being about the unholy Trinity, me, myself, and I. And it all revolves around me and my happiness and, and what I want and what I need rather than what God expects. But let me encourage you. If you have a lack, don't ignore it. Psalm 13 verse 1 says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? That's David crying out to God because he feels like God's distant from him. Feels like God's forgotten him. And if you're like that this morning, and I'm sure you will be like that at certain times in your life, cry out to God for an answer. Cry out to God. Call on God, and He will answer. Don't ignore it. Ask the Lord what's wrong, and He will always show you that the issue is on your end, never His, because God never changes. If there's an issue with you and God, it's always on your end. It's always on my end. Don't let it slip. Make whatever you need to, whatever changes you need to make, make them. Get back there. You know what? You know, don't wait till things go bad. What about if the problems in your marriage? I've been married a long time. No, it is a long time. How many years were you married, Claire? Almost 15 years. Okay. Glad she knew the answer to that. That was a, that, that was a, that was a test for Claire. Not that I didn't know. Okay. You passed the test, Claire. Well done. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Some of you might be married an awful lot longer than that. One of my guys is married 20 years next week. He, uh, he got sent to us from another Baptist church, Pastor Finley's church. Uh, him and his wife are heroin addicts. Uh, his wife's out there getting clean. He's in the center. He's clean. The two of them are renewing their marriage vows um, at the end of September. 
and the both of them are getting baptized on the same day. Isn't that a blessing, isn't it? You know what? That's great when a marriage is going well and their marriage seems to be going well and we praise God for it. But you can be living in the same home as the person you're married to, yeah. You can be distant, can't you? You can have the Holy Spirit inside you, yeah, it feels like it's distant. Is that right? If your marriage is like that and you're feeling like the spark has gone out and things aren't the way they used to be, you have to work on it. You have to do whatever it takes. Don't wait until things get bad. Don't wait until things go bad. Go get help. Get counsel. Seek advice. Do what, do what uh, your, the, the people that are giving you counsel tell you. You know, get over yourself, whatever the issue is. Make it right. Don't allow yourself to just drift and years go by and you wonder, man, we haven't had a good relationship in years. Make sure that you have a good relationship in your marriage. You know, I'm just about done. The daily spiritual walk needs to always be one of excitement uh, where you regularly see God move. And you say, it can't always be exciting, Leighton. Maybe not, but you know what? You should always try and make it exciting. How are you going to make your relationship with God exciting? Take risks. Okay? Now, I'm not saying go out onto the road and dodge traffic, okay? <laughs> but take risks. What might that look like? That might look like you going up to somebody. Oh, that's not a leaflet. But going up to somebody and actually giving them a leaflet or inviting them to church. Do you get that? Because what are you doing? If you're doing stuff like that and you're actively involved in ministry during the week, what's going to happen to you? Your spiritual life is going to be exciting. Your walk with God is going to be exciting. You know why? Because you're going to need God. The problem with Christians nowadays is we don't need God. Yeah. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Earth is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. There's not a Christian in this room that needs to pray that prayer. Isn't that right? Mm. Give us this day our daily bread. You're not looking for your daily bread. You have a fridge full of stuff at home. You see, we are, the fizzle goes out of our walk with God because we don't need God. Isn't that true? If you take more risks as a Christian, you're going to find you have a need for God. Take risks. We fall out of love with Him because we start loving something else. The old hymn says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face. The things of earth shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But the opposite of that is true too. When you turn your eyes off, Jesus, the things of the world seem so appealing. The call of sin seems so right. It draws you in, and you get entangled with it again. You need to make sure that your eyes are focused upon him, and your walk with God is, is where it should be. Um, let, me, let me, I'm just about done, and I know I should be done. Um, in Hebrews 2 1, it says, Wherefore we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, at least at any time should let them slip. You need to listen up, you need to be active. Let's go back to that rich young ruler to just to finish the story. That rich young ruler, you know what? He had uh, one, of, you know, he lacked the most important possession, and that was eternal life. And that's why he came to Jesus. He had everything on earth that he could want or imagine. He had position. He had possessions. But he comes running to Jesus, which shows a sense of desperation to, to, to what he, he knew he had a need. When was the last time you and your life came running to Jesus? We don't do it that often if we really think about it, don't we? Now? We don't actually get that desperate 
with God. Isn't that true? We need to be more desperate. He comes running. He comes running and he, he, he falls down at Jesus' feet. Uh, all that kind of stuff. And it looked really good. It looked good to the people that were there. Sure, it, it felt good to him. And he's expecting to get saved. He's expecting to get the gift of eternal life at that point. But he doesn't. But Jesus beholding him, verse 21, and, uh, and loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest. You're doing everything you should be doing, but you know what? There's one thing you're lacking. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up thy cross and follow me. You know what? It's not that this man, you know, needed to have no money so he could follow Jesus. But the problem was that this man was breaking uh, the, the first commandment. The second commandment is like unto this. What was it? He wasn't loving his neighbor. He wouldn't give to the poor. And he wouldn't love God. His possessions meant more to him than God did. And he chose what he had instead of what he needed. And we often do that. This man had the money, but Jesus wasn't looking for his money. Jesus was looking for his heart. Jesus was looking for him. You see, Jesus knew when with precision, with skill, with that scalpel of the gospel, when he cut into that man's life and revealed his true self and revealed his sin to him, that man didn't love God. He hadn't followed the law. He hadn't kept the law. His possessions had a hold of his heart, and Jesus was trying to claw the possessions from his heart because he couldn't have eternal life until he got right. You know what? This man didn't know he had the need at that point, but until that point, and look at the, the next verse, verse 22, and we're going to finish with this. And he was sad at the saying and went away grieved, for he had many possessions. He had much possessions. He had great possessions. He had, he had a lot of stuff. He had a lot of stuff. He wanted the best thing, but he knew he would, he, he, but, and he knew what he would have to do to receive the best thing. Jesus told him. But he went away sad and grieved because he said no. He said no. Like so many others. Please don't be like that this morning. Please don't be like that rich young ruler that when God convicts you and he's challenging you about who you are, where you are, about your relationship with him, about your marriage, about whatever you're doing, about your ministry, God challenges you, don't say no. He said no to Jesus. I won't give up my stuff. I won't give up my lifestyle. I won't give up my position. I won't give up my sin. I won't follow you. I won't love you. I won't serve you. I won't surrender. You see, when he walked away, that's exactly what he said without speaking a word. When we get confronted with the gospel and we say no, it's not just walking away. You mightn't be saying anything, 
but you're walking away from the one who stands with open arms waiting to receive you for salvation, to give you that gift of God and eternal life. Preacher, I'll leave it there and you can pray.